Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Making Sense of Islam podcast. A few housekeeping points before we begin. Every episode is accompanied by episode notes that highlight everything I've referenced. So people, verses, hadith, etc. They're all in the episode notes, which you can find at makingsenseofislam.com. Most of the episodes are short form, so the notes are few. But when you listen to longer form episodes, the notes are meant to be a resource and an aid. Number two, I would really appreciate it if you could rate the podcast on whatever platform you use and leave a comment, hopefully positive. And number three, every Friday I send out a short email called Coexist Ruminations that shares what I'm working on and reading in my four focus areas. If you'd like to receive these, please sign up by going to makingsenseofislam.com forward slash Friday. That's it for now. Enjoy the show. I love holidays, celebrations, and important calendar events. And this love has grown over the years to the point that these special events are a major part of my year. Now, I've tried to pull together various literature, hadith, du'ats, etc., regarding all of these special days. So this Islamic year, and at the time of this recording, I'm referencing the year 1440, I will do my best to compile these notes and suggestions per event and upload an episode that can be used as a reference guide. So I pray for infinite blessings and happiness for all of these events for all of you. Take care. Hey everybody, I hope everyone is well. Today I want to talk about the holiday of Ashura. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the background, where it comes from, its significance, uh, some of the devotional acts that we can engage in to commemorate this event, and also some historical significance, uh, things that happened after the passing of the Prophet, peace be upon him, also on this day, which you know bear remembering um, for their you know, great implications for our wider community. Uh, as many of us know and remember from history, the Prophet, peace be upon him, he entered into Medina after he left Mecca, and he entered into Medina actually on his birthday uh, in Rabi al-Awwal, which is the third month of the Islamic calendar. And <clears throat> when, that, when he entered at that time, there was no Ramadan fast that was obligatory, that, that obligation still was not revealed. So the following year, in the month of Muharram, which is the first month of our calendar, the, for, the first month of the year, uh, the following year in Muharram, on the 10th of Muharram, he observed that the Jews of Medina were fasting that day. And when the Prophet ﷺ entered Medina, you know, there was anywhere between 19, 20, 21 Jewish tribes. So it was a, quite a vibrant uh, Jewish community at the time. So he asked the companions, and you know, what was that? The companions, they asked the Jews, you know, why are you fasting on this day? And they said, well, this is the day that God saved Moses, so we fast out of thanksgiving. And then the Prophet ﷺ, he said, well, I have more of a right to Moses. And he ordered the community to fast. This is sort of the text that we have about this, this event. Now, let's, let's unpack that. The Jews fasted out of thanksgiving for God saving Moses and the Israelites from Pharaoh. Uh, and that episode uh, from you know, the people of Israel, uh, Beni Israel, that is essentially like the Passover, in which uh, uh, Pharaoh and the uh, ancient Egyptians passed over the, the houses of the Jews, saving the firstborn, and they were able to flee Egypt, cross the Red Sea, 
you know, and enter into the promised land, etc. So th- my understanding is that it's Passover. Now, some Muslim authorities say, well, well, this is was essentially their fast was the day of Yom Kippur, which is still a day that the Jews fast. So I guess there, we could look at it, you know, two ways. But nonetheless, the idea was that the Prophet upon hearing up upon this and hearing that this is something that commemorates Moses, he is a prophet. So in the in the lineal you know in the lineage of prophecy, he has more of a right than anyone you know to claim connection to Moses and to be thankful for what happened to Moses, etc. Alayhi salam. So he he ordered the community to fast, and at that time it was an obligation. There's another hadith, another narration of the same hadith in which when the companions asked the Jews, why are you fasting this this day? They said, well, this is the day that, that God saved Noah and Moses. You know, Noah from the flood and then Moses from, from Pharaoh. So there are two, you know, origins. In, in any case, the idea is, you know, celebrating the, the, the pre-Islamic prophets, prophets that we believe and honor and love, etc., uh, for the bounty that God had bestowed upon their community, saving them from their trials and tribulation. So at that time, uh, it was an obligation. In that same year, later, in the ninth month, which is Ramadan, Ramadan became obligatory, so then the fast of Ashura became a sunnah, not, uh, not an obligation. So this is where the event comes from. You know, This is essentially, from the source text, this is what we are commemorating by this holiday of Ashura. And Ashura simply is the 10th, Ashura, the 10th of Muharram. And at that year, it just happened that that, uh, whether it be Yom Kippur or Passover, uh, fell on the same exact day, uh, on the 10th of Muharram. Our calendars, the Jewish calendar and the Muslim calendar, they're both lunar, but we have slightly different ways of how we go about you know, calculating it. So they're not always the same. But we commemorate this event on the 10th of Muharram. So this is a holiday in which we remember and honor uh, the, the many blessings of the, of the great uh, Prophet Moses and of course his brother Harun, Aaron who is also a prophet of Bani Israel. And based on the other narration, we also remember and commemorate you know, the great sacrifice that, that Nuh had to go through, you know, calling people for you know, centuries um, uh, to, to the message and, and really persevering through that and only having a handful of believers uh, at the end. And then the question then becomes, okay, well, what are the devotional acts? So, okay, so now that's the, the background. That's how we have this event. What are the things that we do? So the first thing is that we can fast on the 10th and or we can fast, or not or, I guess, and we can fast the 9th with it. And the reason, the 9th of Muharram that is. And the reason that is, is the, the, towards the end of the Prophet's life, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the companions are saying, you know, sh- are we going to continue to do this fast, the, the fast of Ashura? And then the Prophet, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he said, well, if I, if I live till the next year, I'll also fast the 9th with it. And the Prophet, Sallallahu unfortunately, did not live till the following year. So in this regard, we are reminded that there are two kinds of sunnah. There are the spoken sunnah and the sunnah of action. So from an action point of view, what did the Prophet, Sallallahu himself do? He fasted only the 10th. But from the spoken sunnah, he indicated, peace be upon him, that if he lived to the following year, he, he, could fast, he would fast the 9th with the 10th. And again, so the sunnah, the, the basic sunnah is to fast on the 10th of Muharram, which is Ashura itself. Uh, if you want to also follow the, the this other sunnah, you can also fast the ninth with it. And the idea behind the fast is that the Prophet, peace be upon him, he said, I believe that God will forgive 
uh, our sins of the previous year if we fast on the day of Ashura. And actually that hadith in which um, the Prophet indicated this forgiveness of our previous years of sins, this hadith is a special hadith because it is narrated on the day of Ashura. In other words, in the chain of transmission that we have between ourselves and the Prophet, peace be upon him, uh, in each link of the chain, we say, and I heard this from my teacher on the day of Ashura. So that's also another custom among students of knowledge that they would gather around their teachers on the day of Ashura to hear this hadith. So it's a day of fasting, uh, and inshallah, we, we hope and we pray that if we fast and we're able to fast that day, that you know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will forgive our sins the previous year. Uh, Lord knows that we could use that. So that's that's a good, you know, a good habit. And and fasting, you know, is a is a good around is an all-around good habit to engage in outside of Ramadan. So we can, you know, constantly exercise that practice. There's another hadith uh, regarding Ashura uh, about expansion. And it's a sound hadith in which the Prophet, peace be upon him, he said, Whoever expands on themselves and their family on the day of Ashura. Allah Ta'ala will expand upon them the rest of the year. And the companions that narrated this hadith, they said, we tried this hadith you know, for decades and we found this hadith to be true. Now, what does this mean? Expansion, the Arabic word that's used in the hadith is tawassu. Uh, expansion here is to do something extra. So whether it's some kind of gift for your family, whether it's a special meal that you have or a special dessert that you have, but to do something extra, something more, to spend more on yourself and your family on that day, uh, that is how you comply with this expansion. And because of this hadith, and this is just a little kind of funny aside, and I like to try to bring these in on, on the episodes that deal with uh, holidays and celebrations, Many cultures have an Ashura pudding. Uh, and if you come from a Muslim-majority culture, you might remember that or recognize that, that there's actually a, a dessert called Ashura. It happens to be my personally, it's my favorite dessert. And this is why this is one of my favorite holidays and celebrations because of this dessert. I know it sounds silly, but nonetheless, you know, I'm, I'm only human. And the reason we have this dessert is because of this hadith, that this dessert was the way of expansion. In other words, that you're only going to have this dessert once a year during Ashura. And it's this pudding that you have. And some of the uh, Muslim cultures that have this their own version of Ashura uh, dessert, actually there's a significance behind the ingredients. And they say that these are the ingredients, the nuts, etc., that Nuh found once the flood you know, uh, rescinded and he found land and they finally were able to eat. Uh, th these grains and nuts, etc., were the first thing that they found. And 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 again, these hadith or or stories, we don't have to get too excited about whether they're sound or not sound or weak. It doesn't really matter. They just you know add to the to the to the event of the flood. So this pudding was was historically a cultural expression of how Muslims. Uh, applied this hadith. Now, of course, you, you don't have to make this pudding. You can do anything else that's extra uh, by the way of expansion. But the interesting thing is the companions that narrated this hadith said, well, we tried this for decades and we found it to be true. Meaning that one year they forgot to expand and that one year was tighter than the previous years. And they attributed that tightness and that expansion to applying this hadith and living up to it. So this is something that I also really encourage all of us to do, to do something extra for yourself and for your families, buy something extra for yourself and for your family, your wife, children, whatever, your extended family, whoever's sort of in your vicinity on the day of Ashura. 
and inshallah all of us will will feel this expansion throughout the, the year the coming months and now this expansion i don't want people to think that this is not like a get rich uh, quick scheme i'm not i'm not trying to sell something expansion it, it can mean many many different things you can be expanded on emotionally uh, psychologically uh, you know physically uh, so it's not just dollars and cents. So we also want to get out of the transaction mode with God. We're not worshiping uh, and engaging in acts of worship and devotion for some sort of transaction. But we, we have this beautiful hadith that the Prophet, peace be upon him, left us. It's a good advice. So we want to do it to live up to that uh, sunnah and revive that sunnah. And we will be expanded on in, in numerous ways. So that's another devotional act, the act of expansion. Another devotional act is you can say Hasbi Allah Na'mal Wakil, Na'mal Mawla wa Na'mal Nasir seventy times. And a fourth devotional act is you can recite Surat al Ikhlas, that's Qulhu Allah Ahad a thousand times. And that's probably for the more dedicated amongst the amongst us who can, you know, I probably take you about an hour, hour and a half to do that. And uh, I have put all of these devotional acts in a small blog post on the website making sense and I believe it's called Devotional Acts of Ashura. I'll also uh, leave it in the episode notes as a link just in case uh, people can't find that. So I just have all of the devotional acts that I could find and put together. Uh, if there are certain prayers or du'a, I, I try to write them in Arabic and in transliteration uh, to make it easily, easy and accessible. And just a note about some of these. Uh, other than the fasting, which comes from a sahih hadith, and the expansion, which comes from a sahih hadith, I also want to be very clear that some of these other devotional acts do not necessarily come from sound hadith. Uh, they come from weak hadith. Uh, but, and we have this very strong tradition within the family of Islam, Islamic scholarship, that we use the weak hadith in devotional acts. So as long as the, you know, saying Hasbiallah na'mal you know, 70 times, that's a good thing. You know, reading Surah Al-Ikhlas a thousand times, that's a good thing. You know, Surah Al-Ikhlas is worth one third of the Quran, the Prophet, peace be upon him, said. So in this case, even if the hadith is weak, we, we are encouraged to follow them because it encourages us to do something good. Uh, definitely that's my school of thought and I want to put that out there. If people have an uh, allergic reaction to the word weak hadith, you know, maybe we should talk offline about that and I can try to help mend, mend that um, reaction. Anyway, so be sure to check that short list and uh, do what you can of it. It's, it's a great day. Uh, for us to, to honor, to, to, to commemorate, to observe. And, um, you know, the, the Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says in the Qur'an, وَذَّكِّرْهُمْ بِأَيَامِ اللَّهِ Remind them of the days of God. And this is definitely one of the days that, that, that we honor. Uh, however, and in addition, there is further significance and meaning for the Muslim community involving the episode and the day of Ashura. And this comes after the life of the Prophet, peace be upon him. And I don't want to spend too much time on the history because I want this episode really to be about the day and, and devotional acts that one can engage in. But, uh, you know, I'll make a, a small exception for this particular event uh, because it's something that's very important. And it is on this day that we also commemorate, honor, Remember, uh, with with great sorrow, of course, the martyrdom of Imam al Hussein alayhi salam, the grandson of the Prophet peace be upon him, along with uh, more than seventy 
of the family of the, uh, the blessed family of the Prophet, peace be upon him. And there's a history behind that, and that's what I meant by, I don't want to necessarily get into the play-by-play, -play, but sort of the upshot of all of that is after the, the assassination of Imam Ali, uh, salam, who was the fourth caliph, his son, Imam Hassan, uh, salam, became the Khalifa for six months. And then sensing that there was going to be this tension between Al-Hassan and, and Muawiyah, uh, who was the governor in Damascus at the time, and Muawiyah, we should remember, is also a companion, um, there, Imam Hassan's ijtihad was okay. You know, this is not going to work for for us. This is this is going to be a lot of civil strife, and I'm going to uh, resign the Khilafah because we are the family of the Prophet, peace be upon him, and we have a, a moral you know obligation to keep the community together, etc. That was his ijtihad. So he you know he essentially resigned, and then Muawiyah became uh, became the Khalifa. Now there were the, there was this tension, you know, the famous tension and conflict between Muawiyah and Ali, uh, who were two companions. And this, and I want people that are listening to, to really hear what I'm saying. This is not a Sunni Shia thing. This is a Muslim thing. So the Prophet ﷺ was very clear that the truth will always be with with Ali. That's a sound hadith. Uh, another hadith, the Prophet ﷺ, he said, "I'm a city of knowledge, and Ali is its door." Uh, there's another hadith that's actually sound that even looking at Imam Ali is a form of worship. Uh, and one of our, our, our teachers um, wrote a little treatise uh, you know, demonstrating the veracity of that hadith. And Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal, radiallahu anhu, the famous uh, you know, uh, um, hadith scholar and, and the, uh, there's a whole school of thought, of legal thought, the, the Hanbali school attributed to him. He wrote a book called Fada'il al-Sahaba, you know, the, the, the exalted status of the companions. And essentially two-thirds of the book is praising Imam Ali and the, last, the other third of the book is praising all of the other companions. So e even within Sunni Islam, we have this love and obsession and uh, respect for Imam Ali. And we even say Imam Ali alayhi salam. Uh, and when we refer to his wife, uh, 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 you know, Fatima, Al-Zahra, we say Fatima alayha salam. And actually in the original manuscript of Sahih al-Bukhari, in the section that talks about the exalted status of Fatima, Imam Bukhari wrote, you know, Bab Fadl Fatima alayha salam. You know, the, the chapter on the exalted status of Fatima alayha salam. And this comes from the hadith, uh, sorry, this comes from the, the verse of the Quran rather, about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala honoring and purifying the family of the Prophet. So in any case, uh, there was this early tension, and even though the companions unfortunately fought with each other, we, we believe that Imam Ali was, was correct, uh, even though eventually Muawiyah became the Khilafah. After Muawiyah died, his son Yazid quickly you know, claimed the, the Khilafah, and this is where the tension between Imam al-Husayn and Yazid came, because Imam Hussein was like, you know, somebody like me is not going to give allegiance, uh, bay'ah, to somebody like him. And at that time, Imam al-Husayn, was what we would, what is referred to in Islamic law as Ahl al-Halli wal-Aqd, you know, the people that loosen and bind, which are the people that have the authority vested in them to, to either prop up the leader of the community or depose the Khalifa if they don't agree. So his dissension is not just like, well, I don't like him, you know, a personal thing. You know, he had like a, a moral objection to that. And there were other people that did not agree that Yazid would become the Khalifa. Because Yazid ended up becoming a disaster anyway. I mean, you know, history unfortunately attests to, to the disaster of his three-year you know, three reign. Morally corrupt and all of that kind of stuff. Um, 
but uh, people started giving their allegiance to Imam al Hussein, and Imam al Hussein, because you know these are the these are people that have the the genes of the Prophet peace be upon him in him. These are you know holy people, uh, so he he understood his intuition was you know I'm going to be assassinated. This is going to be a big a big fitna. So he took his family. And he left Medina, and uh, to make a long story short. Uh, uh, Yazid's, you know, propaganda machine did not cease and everything culminated on this battlefield in Karbala and it happened on this day of Ashura and of course Imam al-Hussein and others were fasting that day uh, complying with the sunnah of the Prophet we just mentioned and in in one of the, you know, greatest trage- tragedies of our of our history uh, he was he was killed most gruesomely him and and his family and very few escaped and this is again, uh, people might listening might be, well, I thought that's a Shia thing, and no, this is a Muslim thing. It has nothing to do with Sunni and Shia. We love and are obsessed with the family of the Prophet, peace be upon him. There's so many hadith that talk about the family of the Prophet, peace be upon him. Um, and uh, the Prophet himself, in his own lifetime, he defined who Ahl al-Bayt were, who the family of the of the Prophet was, and his lineal descendants. Uh, like the hadith of Al-Kisa, when, when the Prophet ﷺ took a shawl and, and put under it, you know, Ali and Fatima, Al-Hasan, Hussein, and he said, you know, this is the Ahl al-Bayt. You know, he def- so he defined, these are clear sahih hadith. Uh, so a lot of times when these hadith are recited, some people are like, well, aren't those Shia hadith? No, these are Muslim hadith. You know, this is, this is what the Prophet ﷺ himself said, uh, as is attested to by both, you know, Sunni and Shia hadith sources. So on this day, while we comply with the sunnah of fasting on the day, expanding on the day, you know, all of the devotional acts that I just mentioned a few minutes ago, we also re- remember with great um, sorrow this, this tragic history and this tragic episode. And I thought maybe we could m- maybe focus on a few points of, of what that episode means of, of, of the martyrdom of Imam al-Hussein. What does that mean for us? You know, what do we learn from that? The first thing that we should learn from it and reflect on is the quality of courage and what it must have you know, taken for him to, to realize that this would be, be his demise uh, and, and potentially the demise of his family. But to take a stand for what is right, uh, a moral stand, even if it cost him his, his life. And, and why did he take this stand? He took this stand because here was a, a person, Yazid, who was using the religion for, for worldly gains, which is the most grotesque, you know, most uh, warped thing. And, and unfortunately, we are surrounded by that. You know, we are surrounded with people trying to use whatever they can, even at times religion itself. And in, in our case, Islam itself is a religion for worldly gains. And how, I mean, really the only word to think of is disgusting that is. Because the religion is not for that. Religion is to connect us to the divine. I mean, here we're talking about devotional acts and you know fasting and things like that. We're not talking about worldly power. So he took a, a stand for that, and that's about courage. And that's that's a a value that we 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 honor and any but any any group any people honor. We also remember on this day the importance of what the family of the Prophet peace be upon him means to us as Muslims in general, regardless of our you know Sunni Shia divide that these are holy people, blessed people, the people that have the light of prophecy inside them, uh, people that we honor by saying, alayhim salam And their actions, especially in the early generations, are actions that we, we follow, that we look up to them. 
like in, we just mentioned the, the tensions between Muawiyah and, and Imam Ali. And if we follow the hadith and we understand and believe, you know, that the truth is with Ali wherever he goes, which is a sahih hadith. Okay, so we know that conflict, Imam Ali was right. So what did he do so we can draw lessons from that? That's the attitude that we have. We know that Muawiyah was wrong. Now, we might draw different conclusions as Sunnis, as Shia, what that means that Muawiyah was wrong. And this episode is a no, again, and I, and I repeat, this is not about a Sunni-Shia thing. I'm trying to, you know, not go down that, that route. But we, we all agree that Imam Ali was right. His ijtihad was right. His intuition was right. His wisdom was right. His leadership was correct. So what are the lessons that we learn from that? What are the lessons that we learn from Imam Hassan? What do we learn from Imam Al-Hussein and the, and the rest of the descendants, alayhim as And they are also a source of devotion for us. Love and praise of Ahl al-Bayt has always been part of Islamic culture. And uh, for many, many reasons over the last couple hundred years, this, this has sort of been suppressed. And this is something that we definitely want to revive. Uh, to remind ourselves, our children, our family, our friends, our communities, that there is an endless amount of benefit and bounty in in devotional acts, in praise and 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 prayers for and towards the the Ahlul Bayt, the, the the family of the Prophet, peace be upon him. And then the last thing I will say before we wrap up is I think this episode of of Imam Al Hussein and the Ahlul Bayt alayhim salam, I think we need to take away from it. Despite the emotions that are brought up during this episode and in remembering it, we really need to remind ourselves of balance. We don't want to fall in the extremes. There is the Sunni extreme, right? The Sunni extreme is Yazid and then the Umayyads after, after that, almost paying people to curse Family, the family of the Prophet, peace be upon him, from the mimbar, you know, on Friday, Friday Juma. I mean, that's messed up, right? That's definitely a Sunni, a form of Sunni extremism. And then there's also the Shia extremism of cursing uh, some of the the Sahaba, some of the companions, you know, f- on this episode. But there are balanced people within both communities, Sunnah and Shia. And we want to be the people of balance because ultimately Islam is a religion of balance and the Prophet is our example and the Ahlul Bayt are our example. And yes, we want to you know, call it as it is. We want to be courageous. We want to stand up for the truth, etc. But we also want to look where the balance is. And uh, this is why we have these episodes, these historic episodes. And this is essentially why Imam Hussein took this stance so we would be reminded of it when we're listening to these words we're reminded of all of these lessons but also not to be pulled into the extremism that can happen with emotions and and you know pointing fingers at the other side and things like that now this might sound for some people archaic maybe you've never even heard of this before you know that's fine Uh, some people might be slightly offended by what i'm saying this is not my intention in any way uh but you know, I'm myself, my family's from Egypt. Uh, you know, Egyptians are very proud that so many of Ahl al-Bayt are buried in Egypt and the head of Imam al-Hussein, unfortunately, as it was severed after he was killed, is actually buried in Cairo. Uh, and this is definitely a place, you know, one of my m- favorite places to visit and and, and that experience, to, that ziyara uh, of Imam al-Hussein, alayhi salam. Um, so definitely I have a lot of respect and, and love, uh, inshallah, for the Ahl al-Bayt. So in no way trying to offend anyone, but... We also want to emerge 
in commemorating and celebrating and honoring these special events throughout the year, throughout the Islamic liturgical calendar, we also want to remember to take these moral lessons. And in this case, I think the, the, the lesson of balance and the middle way is very, very important. Uh, and I think we, we need it so much now, uh, given all of the you know, polar extremes that are within our community on so many different issues. I think it's very important that we find a way to come to balance. In any case, I, I wish everyone and pray for everyone a blessed Ashura. I hope that you guys listening can implement uh, as many of these things as possible. Uh, again, anything I mentioned will be in the episode notes, uh, so you can find it there if there are any questions or people have some suggestions, uh, especially about the Sunni Shia stuff. I'm sure there might be questions. I'd love to interact with everyone, so let me know on social media, uh, and you, you know how to reach me. Uh, so I will talk to you guys soon, inshallah. Take care.